no, you were recording. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry, I messed it up. Okay, I'll be quiet now. So that better be left in the in this episode. And <laughs> hi, I'm Quinn. This I'm, is the Fiercely Altered Perspective podcast. I'm Ember. It's also known as the Fat Pod. Yes, that little dainty, um, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Yes, that was my beautiful bride. I'm a lady. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> damn it. <laughs> No, that's not staying. Well, it has to now because we've done our intro and talked about it, so. (laughs) I hate you. (laughs) Just kidding. I love you very much. So, today is day five. Oh, shit. Oh, snap. So, on December 22nd, 2002, a set of hunters were walking through the Tillamook Forest along an old logging road that met Highway 6. It was a long, curvy road that connects the Willamette Valley and the Tillamook, and it hasn't been used by loggers since the 1930s. However, it was still used by hunters, dirt bikers, and the occasional car. What the hunters would come up to would be a mutilated body of a pregnant woman, two young boys, and a young girl all murdered in the forest. A quad Quadruple homicide three days before Christmas that involved a whole family. Merry Christmas, huh? Yay. Jesus Christ. Yeah, this one's going to be a fun one, everybody. (laughs) Yeah. This wasn't anything new for the state of Oregon. Unfortunately, just a year before, almost exactly to the date on December 19th, 2001, police found four-year-old Zach Longo floating face down in a marina in Waldport, just south of Newport. On December 22nd, they found the body of three-year-old Sadie Longo weighed down in the water. Police also found two suitcases containing two-year-old Madison Longo and parts of their mother named Mary Jane Longo. When they finally arrested the husband and father, Christian Longo, he said that his name was Mike Finkel. Finkel and Einhorn. 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 Finkel. Einhorn? Is Einhorn? Einhorn is Finkel. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, sorry about that, but not really. Not really. That's just, you can't say Finkel and not think about that. Laces out! (laughs) Hope he dies of gonorrhea and rots in hell. All right. Well, Mike Finkel was a writer from New York. Apparently, Christian Longo had an obsession with the writer. The obsession sparked a book called or, yeah, called True Story, Murder Memoirs Mia Culpa, mm-hmm. written in 2005 by Finkel, outlining the highly unusual and uniquely personal involvement he shared with the murderer, as well as Christian Longo's confession of murdering his whole family. He was a family man who had money issues and at first tried to say his wife killed the older kids so he killed her and their youngest madison because that makes sense Uh uh-huh right there's also a movie on it that came out in 215 called true story starring 215 huh in 215 215 all right cool i like that year that was a good year it was it was that was a long ass time ago let's try 2015 <laughs> about or, and it's called True Story, starring James Franco as Longo and Jonah Hill as Finkel, who plays Einhorn. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to watch and find out. I guess we're going to. So to have just the very next year another murdered family was nothing anyone wanted in the state. No, they did not. And the Longo case is going to be a case that we will also cover in the future. Mm-hmm. So police immediately launched a hunt after finding out the 37-year-old husband and father Edward Paul. Morris was nowhere to be found. District of Trun... Ooh. A what? Mm-hmm. Let's try that again. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going... Let's try that in an instant replay. 
It's an Ace Ventura night. I'm taking it. It it is an Ace Ventura night. Okay. District Attorney Porter out of Tillamook was assigned to the case. Investigators were able to determine that the family left a gray 1993 Dodge Caravan with license plate WSH171 and stickers on the back. One of the stickers spelled Jesus and the other one was of Lois Palou, who was in... uh, Um, I believe that's Lewis. What did I I say? Lois. Uh. Oops. Sorry, Lewis. (laughs) (laughs) My bad. He was an uh, evangelic. Evangelist. Evangelist. Yep, that one. Uh He was one of those based out of Beaverton. Yeah. Descriptions of Edward Paul Morris stated that he had short brown hair, was about six feet tall and around 200 pounds, just like a lot of other people. Yeah. As a result, this would turn into a two-week manhunt. Police would have their hands full as countless calls came in, claiming to have seen this man or the van all up and down the Oregon coast. Hmm. For the next few weeks, everyone clung to their TVs as more events unfolded. Things like Edward Morris was born on March 10th, 1965. He was a helpful handyman who was always busy doing something. Many feared that he may be victim as well because he was such a good guy. He loved his wife, Renee Lynn. They had three beautiful children. Children's? Children's. And Renee was seven months pregnant with a little boy they planned on naming Noah Daniel. Correct. So other things came in. The Morris family lived in Portland, Oregon on Syracuse Street, and they were quiet churchgoers. The only reports of any trouble came from a few years before because they had filed for bankruptcy after a failed business attempt. However, earlier that year of 2000, Edward opened a shop of north... Of 2000? Ooh, no, not of 2000. 2002. Hey, we're having problems with our twos tonight hey it's an ace ventura and not say the right date night i'm good with it all right cool we'll just roll with it (laughs) sorry not sorry all right however earlier that year of 2002 edward opened a shop north of portland with a friend named paul gasparetti jr called the corner store total maintenance things seemed to be going well for the family no one understood how he was missing and his whole family was murdered in the tillamook forest who would do such a thing right renee morris was a 31 year old wife who homeschooled her children 10 year old bryant eight year old alexis and four year old jonathan plus noah daniel was expected to make his arrival in just a few short months they were devout evangelicals, and each uh, each of the family members, excluding Edward, were due to be in the church's Christmas program on December 20th. Yes. So, so far, by this point, when it was on the news at the time, it went from, oh, we think that he might be a victim, to, no, we're pretty sure he's our man. Right. And this because was because, while on the surface, everything seemed happy, Renee's friend Shannon Grill, is that how you would say say that? Sure. Okay. Renee's friend Shannon Grill told investigators a slightly different story. On December 18th, Edward came to Shannon and asked her to help get Renee and the kids out of the house. He told her he rented a beach house on the coast for the ninth night of the 19th and wanted to surprise the family. So he was going to pack everything for them. Shannon thought it was odd since she knew Renee and Edward had been fighting for the last few months because Edward wouldn't get a steady job that had health benefits while they waited for the corner store to take off. They needed insurance, obviously, as they were about to have another baby. However, Shannon went along with the plan thinking that maybe he was doing something nice. Shannon then told police how she invited them to make 
cookies at her home uh, that somebody would be Renee and the kids. Once Renee and the kids left Shannon's home, Edward told them that they were going to be going to or going on a trip as a mini Christmas gift. They left on the 19th and they were found dead on the 22nd. But when they didn't show up for the Christmas party at their church, of which Renee was in charge of and the children were in, family knew something was up. There were reports from a little convenience store just outside of Tillamook, Oregon, that reported seeing the family late on the night of the 19th as uh, as they had stopped for drinks and snacks. That was the last that anyone knew of Morris and his family, and the police didn't think that they would find him anytime soon. Yeah, they figured he was gone. Right. On January 3rd of 2003, police would get a break they needed when siblings Linda and Tom Martin found Edward Morris and followed him while keeping the police updated of his movements. First call came from a gas station in Turkey, about 25 miles east of Baker City, stating that he was traveling down the road at 11.30 a.m. Linda and Tom passed the van and caught the license plate as it read WSH171, and the driver fit the exact description of Edward Morris. What made them look at the van was due to the fact that he was driving well below the speed limit, which drew their suspicion. So this was a monumental moment because no one ever suspected or thought that Edward Morris would be back in Oregon. The siblings tell 911 that they are going to jump back on the road and follow Edward Morris, but they were headed towards Baker City. As soon as the pair gets into Baker City, they call the police again to tell them where they are and to get police on the road. After getting back on the road, they followed Edward to a Rite Aid store. Right next to the Rite Aid store was a Safeway, which is where Linda and Tom park, and they call the police again to tell them Edward is inside the store. So for some of you guys that might not be familiar familiar with certain store names and stuff like that um a safeway is a grocery store correct and a rite aid would be a pharmacy slash like a walgreens right Mm -hmm. i don't know if they have walgreens and stuff like that down in australia or wherever yeah Yeah. in other places of the world you're right right. you're right so i'm just being a selfish american right now (laughs) (laughs) i believe we call those twats twats (laughs) twaha Twaha? <laughs> As the call was dispatched over the radio, off-duty detective John Shepard was nearby and volunteered to meet up with Officer Doug Schrade in the parking lot of the Rite Aid and Safeway in Baker City. When the police arrived, Officer Schrade in his uniform and Detective Shepard in civilian clothes decided that they would go and speak with Linda and Tom straight away, gathering any information they could get and give thanks for them for notifying the cops. While Schrade and Shepard started walking towards the Rite Aid, Edward walked out. Off-duty detective John Shepard was the first one to draw his firearm and in a split second caught Edward off guard since he wasn't in his uniform and then he snapped back into reality when he saw uh, Officer Schrade pull his firearm and demand him to get on the ground. Edward never resisted and when police asked him his name he responded Edward Paul Morris. And then Edward asked police if they had found his family, which Schrade said yes. Edward sighed in relief and said he was ready to talk. Yeah, he didn't put up any fight. Uh-uh. And how weird would that be? One, because you caught the guy back in Oregon. And two, you know that it's him because he openly admits that it's him. And then he asks you, hey, have you found family? Right. Creep. Right. Ew. Like, no hesitation, no slowdown, no nothing, just, what's up? Hey, hi, it's me. <clears throat> right? And it gets much worse. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So police called Oregon State Police Sergeant Randy Crutcher to say Edward was in custody and ready to talk. Not wanting to waste any time, he phoned into Tillamook to tell District 
attorney Porter that the chase was off and asked what they should do about getting the confession. Porter decided it would be best to just get the confession while he waives the right to a lawyer. So he sent Sergeant Crutcher the information and said that they would get there as quickly as they could, which would be about two hours away. All right. Sergeant Crutcher knew his time was or time to get the confession would be small because once Tillamook County Judge uh, would find out about it, they would appoint him an attorney and the attorney would tell him not to talk. Randy Crutcher was 100% correct. The county judge did order an attorney for Morris and that he was on his way. However, the attorney wouldn't or would arrive just after he confessed everything. Right, which is excellent timing right like <laughs> this dude took the whole bag of beans mm-hmm. cut the top all the way off and just grabbed it. it by the bottom and like shook it like it was a towel right usually confessions are not this easy right as we're about to find out yeah dude had complete verbal diarrhea mm-hmm. and so because crutcher knew an attorney would eventually be in the picture he made sure to do everything correctly so defense couldn't say that they didn't take care of the defendant properly usually once an attorney comes in they'll go through everything they'll say oh you didn't offer this you didn't offer offer that my client was under distress blah 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 blah. you were harassing him you were coercing him you were correct whatever correct so crutcher is like we're just gonna make sure that we don't have to worry about that right so in the room was randy crutcher leading the confession baker city police detective kirk mccormick and baker city undersheriff ken drays all sat in while they listened to edward paul morris right and just like before this goes on kudos to those three yeah (laughs) um um, way kudos, because if I was hearing the things that falls out of his face, uh, I would be fired. Yeah, <laughs> there'd be charges brought up against me. So many charges. I don't know how his face hit my fist he, he so many times. A lot. Terrible. No grace with that man. Mm-hmm. Just right on the knuckles. He fell off the curb. Mm-hmm. And then down the stairs. And then he tried to bite the curb a little bit. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> it was awful. You should have seen it. It was an accident never (laughs) (laughs) police made sure to honey up edward getting him a sandwich from subway and asked if he was cold mr morris then told officers that he was a little chilly because he had been in phoenix and had taken off the inside part of his jacket so he was in arizona for some reason but he came back Uh this piqued the interest or piqued their interest and they knew they needed to work quickly finally after getting edward all settled in he began to tell us what happened the night he decided to lose his shit Mm -hmm. so crutcher asked edward if he was the one to kill his family and he responded with yes and i had been planning it for a while just not wanting not just wanting to kill them but i also wanted to get away with it edward goes on to say how he even tossed the shoes he wore during the murders because he knew he left footprints and evidence behind he didn't want police to make the connections he said that he tried to think of every step to stay ahead of the police Huh. Randy Crutcher and the rest of the men struggled to keep their mouths shut because they wanted to tell Edward everything. Just all oh, it would be so hard to keep your where mouth. to go, how fast to get there. Yeah, yeah, so hard. Yeah, but they knew with each word Edward was crucifying himself, stating these things in his own words and without anyone there to make him be quiet. They didn't want to give him a reason to shut down. So, you guys ready for the rest of his confession? Mm-hmm. 
So this lovely piece of shit, Edward Morris, <laughs> felt he had failed as a provider for the family. In the last six months, he spent over $40,000 on random things. He would say, I want to give my family more. My beautiful wife deserved more than I could provide. And this was the only solution to our money issues. Right. Uh-huh. So I guess if you have money issues, clearly the next step would be murder. Right. Cool. Uh-huh. The amount of straight it would take to hear that from someone who just butchered his pregnant wife and kids. Later, Crutcher would really put emphasis on how he was so cold and distant sometimes, talking as if he was just a medical examiner. And then other times, Edward would break down and cry or speak about his family in that lovely manner. Beautiful family, deserving more than what I could give, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Ew. As Crutcher gains more trust by not let her belittling him for seeing that murder was clearly the only solution, Edward lets him in on another secret. He always wanted to be a hitman for the mob ever since he was little. Oh, that's cute. That's adorable. That lifestyle or type of bad boy persona that comes with being a professional hitman is something he's always wanted. He goes on to say how he even tried to kill other people before killing his family and uh, Edward said, I would carry around a hammer and follow behind well-dressed people who I felt were wealthy. I would kill them and then take their money. However, that failed, so his next thought would be get a handgun with a silencer. Renee would never approve of this new career and she would find out about the silencer he was making. So this was the final decision that his family had to go. My wife won't like a gun. She'll know I'm making a silencer. She will not approve of me being a hitman. So let's take him out. So let's kill her. Mm-hmm. But I loved her. But I loved her. A lot. Ew. <laughs> if you're gonna kill a group of people, start with yourself. Mm. Mm-hmm. Edward started scanning the newspapers for guns. Most were just shotguns or rifles, and the handguns were too expensive for his taste. So he has no problem blowing $40,000. He thinks that he has to kill his family for his money issues, but then he can't even pony up the money for a gun. Right. Okay, good. Mm. After this, it was ugh, just, it grosses me out because as he's saying all of these things, he lets out an audible giggle, shaking his head saying, God was against this from the beginning. You think? Oh, I want to hurt it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So on December 17th, Edward decides to go to the southeast side of Portland to a gun store. That way, you know, no one would know him. He told people in the store that he was buying some guns to protect his family. And he also bought a gun safe to go with it. Oh. He passed his background checks and got a 38 revolver and two 22 semi-auto pistols. The store was on 82nd Drive and he was sure police could confirm that. Crutcher, I believe, wrote down the day and where the store was and passed it off for somebody to confirm. As the confessions continued, it was confirmed that on December 17th there was a purchase for a revolver, two, pol- two pistols, pistols, two pistols, and a gun safe totaling $1,172.82. Huh. So, mm-hmm. I'm buying guns to protect my family. This little part may or may not stay in this episode, mm-hmm. but this is proof right here where adding more gun laws doesn't do shit. Mm-hmm. Because the dude legally acquired these firearms. Well, and he had no prior anythings. He was known as the nice guy that nobody would ever suspect. A handyman. Yeah, a total Bible thumper. Uh-huh. And then one day he snaps. Uh-huh. Well, not even one day. He always had that thought in the back of his head. He just kept that shit to himself. Right. You can't test for that, really. Uh-uh. So. Yeah. But he's a fucking moron, too, because he knows nothing about weapons. You'll find out in a minute. 
minute. Mm-hmm. The next day on December 18th is when he called Shannon for help, as we already know. And when the family was out of the house, Edward worked on packing the guns, including a pellet gun, into the van. He didn't have time to make a silencer just yet, so the pellet gun was brought for backup. Mm-hmm. A pellet gun? A pellet gun. Huh. Mm-hmm. So it's known I have a quote-unquote high-end pellet gun. Yeah. It's a professional-level hunting pellet gun. Mm-hmm. Um, could it kill a human? If you hit just the right spot, sure. But the likelihood of it? <laughs> no. It's going to hurt him real bad. Oh, it's going to hurt. Yeah. It, it will do some damage, yeah. but yeah, we'll find out. Douchebag. Mm-hmm. I uh, hate him so much, and he has double bridge glasses and a fucking mustache. Uh, hey, you leave mustaches out of this. Mine's majestic as fuck. Okay, Thank if you, you have much. a mustache, a mustache that isn't accompanied by the rest of facial hair, then sure. But if you have a greasy eight hairs on your upper lip and you butcher a family i'm gonna make fun of your fucking mustache i'm with you especially a fiver on one side and three are on the other yeah exactly <laughs> he Fair can't enough. even grow facial hair he shouldn't be called a man that will no. probably get cut out <laughs> that was no that was no. mean <laughs> that might i'm be not mean, saying but... that to anybody else who can't grow facial hair unless you butcher bur- your family butcher your family <laughs> and if you do butcher your family then your mustache is a piece of shit just like you are yeah there that, you go that's like that little white speck on top of chicken shit you know what that is hmm. more chicken shit <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck all right keep going sir so he gets his guns and his pellet gun packed into the van he didn't have time to make the silencer just yet so he brought this pellet gun when the wife and kids returned that night he told them the next day that they were leaving for a trip to the coast renee was a little apprehensive about it because the night of the 20th was the play however edward reassured her that they would be back on the 20th and plenty of time for the play the family all went to bed tickled pink Mm -hmm. however on the 19th he stalled leaving he says he stalled because he didn't want anyone to see his crimes so they didn't leave until that night seems odd to drive hours at night to spend the night at a beach house in the dark to sleep wake up and leave in the morning to come back i may be lazy but if you came to me and said hey we're gonna go to a beach house for the night and then we didn't leave until like five o'clock at night we're like fuck that we're staying home right i don't want to pack up kids i don't want to no i'm gonna stay home i'm gonna take off my bra and you can go fuck yourself (laughs) especially if i'm seven months pregnant there is no way Right. Well, and especially because they're in Portland, right? Yeah. Okay. And they're going to go over to Tillamook area to go stay at a beach house. Yeah. That means they're going up over the Trask. Uh-huh. That's a fun road under daylight conditions. Right. Um, I've been over it in the daylight. I've been over it in the dark. Mm-hmm. That can be an ignorant road. Right. And... Nah. Well, it just seems like bad timing. Yeah, it just doesn't jive. Right before Christmas, you got other stuff you're going to be doing. Right. No, maybe New Year's. Sure. You know, when you're not having plans, but whatever. She she trusted him and the family still left for their night in high spirits. Now, I may or may not do that as well because I would be excited about any sort of adventure to go on with you. Right. But I would still be like, wow, this seems like a lot of work. We're going to spend more time driving and unloading and everything. Sleep. Just sleep. Wake 
pick up and do it all again. Yeah. Let's plan it when we can actually enjoy it. Right. But I mean, sure, why not? Let's go. Okay. So it was around midnight when the family turns down that road that the hunters would later find their bodies. All the kids were asleep and Edward pulled over. And this is the rest of the account of what happened, mostly in his words. I pulled over and told Renee to close her eyes because I had a surprise for her. I got out and went to the back of the van to get my 22 and I put it in my waistband. I also grabbed my pellet gun and kept it at my side. I started to get scared and wanted to back out. However, how ridiculous would it have been to just get back in the van and explain how I'd never rented a beach house and I intended to kill everyone, but I decided against it. Ha ha ha. <laughs> I loved Renee and I didn't want her to think less of me. What? What? <laughs> All right. You, you didn't want her to think less of you. What do you think she's going to think as you shoot her in the face? Right. You stupid motherfucker. <laughs> right. As he confessed this portion, he burst into a laugh-cry mixture at the thought of admitting that to his wife. And then he continued to say, I told Renee to keep her eyes closed and then I shot her in the eye with the pellet gun. I thought that that would kill her. I didn't want to use a pistol because I didn't want anyone to hear it. She started crying out in pain and asked what I was doing. I shot again. Autopsies would report two pellets. And then I took out my pistol and fired four more shots to her head and her right hand, obviously her trying to defend herself and her unborn child. It didn't kill her. She stayed alive for a lot longer. I admit I know nothing about guns. When the sound woke up my boys who were sleeping in the back seat, I shot them each one time in the head. It killed them instantly. I panicked and got into the van and started to drive up the road. My daughter was still asleep in the back, but Renee came out of it crying, saying that she loved me and Jesus and that they both forgave me. She went back out, uh, meaning she blacked back out. So I pulled over and grabbed Alexis out of the van and stabbed her and placed her on the side of the old logging road. Autopsy showed more than 18 stab wounds to the eight-year-old girl. Yeah, 18 stab wounds to an eight-year-old little girl. That seems excessive. What kind of threat is an eight-year-old little girl to a six-foot, 200-pound man? Yeah, that's your daughter. Yeah. 18 times? Yeah, I'm thinking there's way more to that story. I think so, too, because it's one thing, I mean, he shot his boys. If you know that there's already going to be a sound, because you've already used it, what's one more by that point? Well, Jesus, he shot her four times. Yeah. Each one of the boys once. Mm -hmm. So that's six. Yeah. Yeah. Why stab her? And then just put her on the side of the road. I don't know. Yeah. Speculations. We'll get back to it later. Well, then his words. When I came back, Renee was still alive. So I stabbed her multiple times in the lungs until she finally died. It took Renee 45 minutes from the first attack until she died. That's a long time. 45 minutes with two pellets in the eye, shot four times, and seven months pregnant? Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. I tried to get her body out of the van, but I couldn't. She was too heavy. Oh, that's nice. That's, right? That's nice. Good job, asshole. Yeah. So I cut her legs so the blood would drain from them, making it easier for me to move her. Also, you're a dumbass. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because blood's like concrete, right? It weighs so much. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. While I let it drain, picked up Brian and Jonathan and put them on the opposite side of the road across from Alexis. I was then finally able to get Renee out of the van and I placed her by the boys and made sure they could still see 
each other so she could face her children. Yeah. You know what's also weird? You stabbed your daughter 18 times and you put her on the side of the road by herself. Uh-huh. Away from everybody else. Uh-huh. Why? Explain. I want to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh. So this whole time, Crutcher, McCormick, and Dre's all had to keep their composure and get into the mind of this madman, making him think that they were actually friends and that they held no judgment towards him. Clearly, Morris was either either super smart or a narcissist, so nothing he did could be wrong. But he also contradicts himself at every turn. Right. He's a very odd man. These are the gross parts of needing to gain the trust of a murderer so you can get justice later. They ask him what he did next, and Edward was more than happy to continue. Mm-hmm. Edward left and drove back to Portland and picked up his disguises that he had bought on the 18th while his wife and kids were at Shannon's. He figured a blonde rock star wig and some other costumes would be just fine. Because that's not obvious? Yeah, I got a, a dirtbag molestache, but I'm gonna throw on a blonde rock star wig? Yeah, it'd be like your awesome huge afro wig that you have. Uh-huh. Like it's not gonna draw some attention. Right. Smartest dumbass ever. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. He also put aside three grand, figuring that was plenty to start his new career of killing, and he hit the road heading east on I-84. I became so tired, I stopped near the Dalles to stay in a motel. I didn't want the cops to have any paper trail of me, so I told the motel that I didn't have any ID, that I was traveling from Alaska and heading to New Mexico, and along the way, I was mugged, and they stole almost everything. He paid cash for the room while he slept. Mm-hmm. He goes on to confess, after I woke up, I got back on I-84 and then crossed to I-80 and went through Idaho and then to Utah before hopping onto I-15 for Vegas. I was going to dress nicely and buy a small farm so I had a place to dump bodies for the murders I had planned. I could kill them, take over their bank accounts, and steal all their money. I figured I could easily make $3,000 a day. Okay. Yeah. I figured I could easily make $3,000 a day. Originally, I was going to buy a train ticket from Seattle to Vegas and then leave the van in the Seattle-Tacoma airport so you would think that we were hijacked by a killer and the killer had murdered me too before taking the van and leaving town. But that fell through when I realized the train doesn't go to Vegas. So then I was going to swap license plate with a van that was close to ours, but I couldn't do that to someone else. And I didn't know you guys had already found the bodies. Well, if you leave them on the side of the road during hunting season. He obviously doesn't know the place very well. No. Also seems very weird that your moral compass couldn't allow you to swap something as innocent as a license plate, but you can butcher your family. Right. And you grew up wanting to be a hitman for the mob. And you can't swap a license plate because morally that fucks you up. Huh. Okay. Cool story, bro. Right. He then goes to say, I should have thought more about the play. Probably ruined it for everyone. Renee was directing it and all the kids were in it. He seemed genuinely upset about that piece of information. Not that he had killed them, just that he had ruined the Christmas play for other people. He's such a kind, caring person. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Continue. All right. Well, he continued to say, I had another plan to build a dirt house in the desert and kill or and only kill in the winter because it's hard to conceal weapons in shorts. (laughs) Is it? Okay. Okay. While still in Vegas, (laughs) I found a man sleeping in a Ford Explorer along a gravel road and I thought, or I thought about killing and robbing him for some, er, but for some reason I couldn't go through with it. So I left and headed to Arizona. How? We'll get there. As Edward continued to talk, he actually slipped up and said, from there we went to Flagstaff and then started to chuckle. Oh, 
Oh man, Crutcher, I've grown to like you so much today that I guess I'm including you in my adventures now. I'm sorry. I mean, I was heading to Flagstaff and I stopped at a church in Camp Verde, which is between Flagstaff and Phoenix. I walked into the church and told them my real name, but that I was a writer and looking for property to rent around the area. The members let me sleep there. I feel bad for lying, but it also felt good. Uh, Yeah. 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 Questions, thoughts, judgments, we'll get there. Right. It was December 23rd when I got to Phoenix and I went to Sears for a welder and a drill drill press so I could finish that silencer. However, the 12-inch drill press was 194, but the 8-inch one was only 94. So I went with the cheaper one. I knew it was risky because it could be too small, but I didn't care. If it blew up and I died, I was okay with that too. For the next week, I just spent time in Phoenix and the desert just west of the city and tried to work on my silencer. Uh Yeah. I slept in the van and would light a few candles I had. Or sometimes I would run the van if it got too cold at night. I also bought a power inverter, but it didn't have power to run, enough power to run the welders, so I never got too far on it. I did hear from some local that there was an abandoned airplane hangar out here somewhere. I loaded up and spent about 150 in gas and just drove around trying to find this hangar and figured I could store a ton of bodies in there. Could you imagine how many I could fit? But I never found it. Eh, pretty sad about that still. Bitch, you still have yet to kill somebody else. Yeah. Take a seat. (laughs) So police ask Edward what he did next and he talks about how he decided to start his new year outright. So in the early hours of New Year's on 2000 or in 2003, he went hunting. He ran into a man named Sean who was traveling back from a New Year's Eve party and was extremely drunk and ran his car off the road. Edward offered to give him a lift. He wanted to kill Sean but lacked the balls to do it. So he just dropped Sean off at home. Sean, shout out for staying alive man right <laughs> right count your blessings dude because you yeah mm-hmm. yeah with that falling through edward says how he went into a seedy neighborhood to hunt next maybe if i just kill and got used to killing then everything else would come easier get the killing down first then graduate to taking money but i could never make it out of the van i know i'm a piece of shit and that night i realized that there's no hope for me i'm failing at yet another thing in my life and i decided i should head back and turn myself in i mean that's his first rational thought right first one yeah he realized he's a douche and he should probably get square Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. okay he goes on to say since i knew i was going to turn myself in and i miss my family so much i decided i would go somewhere i always wanted to take renee so i went to the grand canyon you see god gave me a beautiful wife and a family and i destroyed that god made the grand canyon i wanted to see something beautiful that i couldn't destroy however i saw families there which made me miss mine even more so by that afternoon it would have been the 2nd of january i jumped back on the interstate and headed home well it's me i wanted to see something beautiful that i couldn't destroy Uh okay crazy pants (laughs) i mean i really like that quote but i hate the person it came out of no i'm i'm (laughs) right i'm conflicted (laughs) that's uh kind of tyler durdenish i know I know. I feel like it's coffee talk all of a sudden. And I want to be like, it's a pineapple. It's neither a pine nor an apple. Discuss. Like, I need a minute. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. You can keep going. All right. He then went on to say that on the 4th, I stopped in Boise for gas and 100 feet of rope. I was going to need it to drag Renee back to the van. I was going to load up asshole. my... asshole. <laughs> God. <laughs> Such a dick. Right. I was going to load up my family back into the van and drive down to the police station and turn myself in. However, well, you guys had already had my family. So anyways, the gas station only had 50 feet of rope and that's why I chose to go to Baker City to the right aid is to see if they had a longer rope and well that's where you caught me what it's not time to be jovial dude like for reals yeah you also just said that you were gonna load up a bunch of dead bodies and drive it into drive it down to the police station are you just gonna toss them in the back are you gonna set them up like are you gonna buckle them in what are you gonna do psycho i don't know he probably would buckle them in right this isn't weekend at bernie's homie that's your family exactly exactly so just like that the confessions ended crutcher and the department had everything that they needed there was no way this guy was going to get away with his crimes the full confession happened before a lawyer could get in slam dunk to ensure the confession couldn't get tossed crutcher asked him if there was anything else that they could get for edward or anything that they may need all edward said was that he wanted to finish his sandwich and then go to the restroom a couple of other things uh that he had reported or that they had found during the confession is when they looked into his van he had actually tried to wipe up the blood with baby wipes <laughs> and he said that it actually does a great job does it just so you know baby wipes for blood destroys evidence apparently oh does it uh-huh oh and then they also found his silencer which was just like a hunk of bullshit that had one hole drilled into it that's as far as he got into making his silencer huh uh-huh. huh well. i want to be in the mob <laughs> right so i'll go ahead and just say this out loud i have a suppressor yeah i do that's cool a legitimate honest to god 100 percent lawful suppressor the shit you see on movies where they pull the trigger and it goes false bullshit 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 there's no such thing as a silencer no they are a suppressor they reduce the noise they don't make it silent unless you want to jump into conspiracy theories and then you know some people have silencers Uh but we will never get to see those ones right right but uh yeah Mm -hmm. um yeah this dude's a fucking fruitcake he also thought that he could kill his wife with a pellet gun (laughs) maybe you should fucking read up on some shit before you decide that you want to be in a mob right um this might get edited out as well but if you have the feeling that you want to go ahead and take out your family start with your own fucking self first oh please do (laughs) if you feel like you want to go and kill anybody yeah if you want to end somebody else's life and you're willing to push yourself to that point start with yourself Right. We right. don't need any more serial killers. We no. don't need any more mass shooters. And we sure as fuck don't need a quadruple homicide. Uh-huh. With a seven-month-old, or seven-month pregnant wife. Uh-huh. You fucking piece of shit. You can kill your pregnant wife, but you can't kill Sean, the drunk guy on the side of the road? Right. Okay. Uh-huh. After being booked, Edward flew to Tillamook to testify before a grand jury to be indicted for murder of his 31-year-old wife, Renee, who was also carrying at seven months their unborn son noah daniels his 10 year old son bryant his eight-year-old daughter alexis and his four-year-old son jonathan edward asked to have the death penalty because he felt it was only fair for him to die however da porter was not about to have that happen for two reasons 
Thank you, Mr. Porter. Correct. First reason was Porter wanted to make sure he could get Edward Morris for the most firm and fair sentence so it could never be reduced later. A lot of people that they had on the death sentence for Oregon at the time, not very many of them had been pushed all the way through. And actually a lot of them were able to get their sentences reduced to life or even life with parole. So he didn't want to ever have that be in the balance. Possibility, right. Correct. And the second and the most important reason was none of the family members involved wanted a trial. They didn't want to relive this moment over and over again. While prosecutors worked on building a case and possible sentences, Edward spent his time in the Tillamook County Jail and went to Oregon State Hospital twice for psych evaluations. He was in the Tillamook Jail from January 4th, 2003 until September 20th, 2003 with a trial still being set to start. However, on September 20th, he pled guilty to seven counts of aggravated murder. One count for each person plus an additional for each child since they were under 14. The judge declared he had had time to appeal, but Edward chose not to, and on November 15th, 2003, he was sentenced to life without parole and waived his rights to ever appeal his case. He will die in prison and never, ever see a free spe- or a free day in his life again. Thank goodness. Right? His parents were also very relieved about the plea. They had stopped talking to him a few months before. His father spoke about not wanting the public to know all the true gory details that he wished he didn't know them either. The thought of a long trial and hearing how their son turned into a monster and robbed them of their daughter-in-law and their grandchildren was too much to handle. And that is the end of this story. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. Except for plot twist. Uh-huh. I was in Tillamook when this happened. That's what I was just going to say is <laughs> why are we talking about this case? <laughs> I was living in Tillamook during this case and the Longo case. Mm-hmm. But a girl I went to school with, her grandparents owned the little store that the Morris family stopped at. And she was there helping her grandparents that night. She was the last people to, she was one of the last people to see them all life really uh-huh wow is that the one that's kind of out towards where the air museum is that little white convenience store no i think it's out further is it yeah i don't i don't remember exactly and hell it's been so long since i've been sure to Tillamook, well, and and we know how great i am with directions I, so i was just gonna say i might get slapped for this but hey what direction are you facing right now north what direction it. am i facing this right now north and we're facing each other yep <laughs> 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 I grew up in Tillamook. You want? Um, we didn't deal with crazy things like that. Well, um, tell me landmarks. Say go to Seven Eleven, turn right when you hit. Hey, guess what? What? It doesn't matter where in the world you are. The sun rises in the east and sets in the west. I know directions better now, but really, <laughs> I mean, that's what I have you for. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's my personal connection to this case. And between last year or the year before with the Longo case and then this year with the Morris case, because the Morris case happened in the middle of the trials for the Longo case. Mm-hmm. So it was just a crazy time, especially in Tillamook. And it was crazy to know that he was in the same jail. So we, we spent time in the same town while well, he was locked away. But right. I drove past where he was. Right. It's freaky. Going to Dairy Queen. Going to Dairy Queen. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. And I've been to that forest and afterwards it was a thing between all of the kids that some of the kids would say, make sure that you don't go to the Tillamook Forest around Christmas time unless you want to be butchered. Right. <laughs> well, and, and I can say that uh, years ago, loaded up from here 
in Utah and took off and went to and could have possibly been on that same road. Yeah, you probably were. And uh, we went out there with dirt bikes and four wheelers and all kinds of shit, twisting off and playing and having fun. And uh, it's real easy to get turned around up there. There, it's beautiful country. Good God, but is it's it beautiful so country. green. Yeah, and it that whole uh, moss only grows on the north. No, fuck that. Not there. Not there. It's everywhere. Why do you think I? Why do you think I couldn't tell you which way north was? <laughs> so that is my personal connection to this case, which is a reason why I've always wanted to cover it. Right. That's the, Ember's story. That's em- that is my story. Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow we get to cover your story. We do get to cover my story, and believe this or not, we've drove past, right past, mm-hmm. where my story happens. Oh, I'm excited. We we decided that for our first week we would kind of do a personal case mm-hmm. for each of us. So mine was the Tillamook one, and Quinn's. You'll find out tomorrow. Right. And then the next day we jump into our big case. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I want to give them a hint, or but I feel like whatever I'll say will be completely obvious. No hints. No hints? No hints. We're not going to let anybody be excited for two days? Nope. 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 All right. The beard is spoken. I tried, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I tried. Well, on that note. Um, what, what kind of question do we want to have? Do we want to have a question for people so we can talk about it on our Facebook page? Or on our Twitter. Or on on Instagram. All at the Fat Pod. Right. Come to the Fat Lounge. Yeah. Or the Fat Lounge on Facebook. And we have a thread. Yeah. yeah, That's been going on. Yeah. Called What's Your Perspective? Yeah. Tell us what your thoughts on this case. Right. How can a man kill his family but not kill anybody else? else yeah i mean that's some weird mental shit even serial killers would look at that and be like he's fucking weird yeah you're a fucking weirdo because it's it's one thing to kill a stranger killing a stranger is easy but killing somebody personal right that takes some serious hate right Hmm. well until tomorrow see you tomorrow goodbye